0: This broadcast is brought to you by Integrity Staffing Solutions. At Integrity, we're passionate about connecting great talent with great companies across North America. For more information on how our custom, flexible workforce solutions can help solve your biggest challenges, visit us online at IntegrityStaffing.com. You're now listening to ATR Liftoff in three This is HR liftoff with Megan couch. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so happy to have everyone back and I'm excited for today's podcast because it's a topic that we haven't really covered yet. uh, This directly and I have Mary Beth Garcia with more retail with us. Welcome, Mary Beth. Well, thank you, Megan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for agreeing to come on the show. Um, Can you tell folks a little bit about more and more retail and what you guys are
1: about and your front lines and just give them a little bit of background? absolutely absolutely well more retail we are a training and development solutions provider and uh, we have actually been around for over 40 years we were originated uh, as more learning and through several mergers acquisitions with uh, larger organizations we kind of spun off again and went to our roots to uh, went to our roots and that was in the retail industry and so uh, that's how more retail was uh, kind of started again and reinvented But yeah, we've been around a long time and all of us are, including myself, we're clients. And so we've all got that boots on the street. retail experience, maybe high heels on the sales floor uh, experience that really gain, we can gain a lot of credibility. But what we specialize in is we really specialize in the interpersonal skills that drive performance results. The key about retail is you get your report card every day. You know, how, how is business? And you can look at that every day. And uh, what really is the old adage is, yeah, there's great merchandise, there's great people. It's a combination of both that really make it happen. And most times when you have a success venture, you have a good leader. You have a good store leader in place that really develops that culture. So our focus is on leadership, um, sales and service, and uh, we do negotiation skills as well, but we do leadership and communication skills from sales you know from a salesperson interacting with a customer to a store leader interacting with his teams to multi-unit leaders district regionals all the way up to the c-suite and that also includes some of our buyers and planners that are doing the merchandise negotiation as well and uh, those communication skills are usually on steroids but we still offer those type of (laughs) solutions Um, and not only training um training solutions, but also we do assessments. We have uh, the DISC where we are a a distributor for DISC, which is a communication style. assessment, and then we also have our own store visit effectiveness surveys, which will be after a district or a regional has been through our training that we, we survey the teams that they lead to see what the improvements have been all based on the competencies of the program. Um, and then coaching career coaching, which is, um, you know, really for helping people, not just performance, but really getting advanced in their career as well.
0: So I think retail, and you know, I put it this way, if I said retail to my son, who's 14, versus retail to me, who openly is 44, uh, and I think big box stores, even strip center stores, like that kind of classification of retail, uh, and it's just a retail brand, because our company focuses a lot on, I would say, distribution and manufacturing and those types. Um, but can you, for the folks, kind of say, just, and you don't have to name names, but just kind of companies that you're talking about with retail, because it's all encompassing.
1: Absolutely. And we do. Um, we are a boutique retail learning and development provider that provides development um, and performance solutions for a wide range. So what I mean is, yeah, and just to kind of go is we work with the, you know, the big box retailers, the um, the discount retailers, um, and, and such as TJX and Ross and, and, and HomeGoods and then we have the luxury brand okay lvmh and smcp and you know we worked with ferragamo and some and hermes and uh so we have a pretty large gamut we also do a lot of specialty store we have um a small um Idaho brand plant therapy that is in organics and herbs and they're really small. They used to be online and now they've gone into retail. So we have a pretty large um from national chains, big box, small box, department stores. Um haven't been as much because of their downturn, but in you know, years ago we did a lot with department stores as well. So we pretty much have a very diverse group um, of retail. And retail is the type of business that's highly branded. So we don't ever go in and say, we know retail, we know what you're gonna do because (laughs) we know what we're gonna sell you. Um, We know what you need. Um, We have to go in always with a very curious mind uh, because everybody does it differently. And retail is, you know, retail is detailed, but it's not retail is not the same thing to every, um, just not only just the size of the stores and their products and the brand, but how they go about business. Um, The whole omni-channel in the last five to 10 years has changed that tremendously.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of listeners just tuned up because they heard TJX and it's, you know, then you hear Louie and you're like, what? No. <laughs> uh, so I can't, there's a couple of sectors, you know, that were clearly very hard hit with COVID-19. So, and when I was, you know, talking to you before and even thinking about this, you know, there's, it's just such a huge impact, which I don't think people in their a lot of folks in their lifetime have felt it because of this. You know, so the pivots that companies have to go through, and I would think, and especially with your organization where you're so integral into making sure infrastructure and teaching is in place and good learning, what were some of the pivots that you guys had to make, you know, just to be like, okay, well, there's all these parts that are just, they're shut down and we don't know for how long. And, you know, still to some degree as we recover, yes, but just maybe some of those immediate or intermediate even pivots because it's been over a year and a half.
1: It was, um, you know, I, I have been through the recessions. I have been through, you know, the big swings where department stores are big, department stores are not big, the specialty stores, um, (laughs) designer, everybody had to have a designer name on it. We've been through so many pivots. I can honestly say, never have I been through anything like this. Every client became in two categories. You know, I'm used to big box, specialty department store. They became essential and non-essential retail overnight. And, um, So that was probably the biggest issue. So to say what impacted us is obviously live training. You know, we had, we used to do workshops, we did huge conferences, we had three large conferences where we do for these large retailers, where we'll have 12 classrooms at the same time simultaneously for all their district or store leaders. And, you know, that was a that was a big thing. So all that came to a halt. So for us, the pivot was turning our business into virtual. And we're very interactive. And we, you know, luckily, we had already been on zoom for webinars and that so we didn't have to learn Mm -hmm. the technology. So for us, that was a matter of doing it. But I think before that is we you got to be client focused first and what was happening to our industry so essential you have to say you know that's good news they can make revenue they were able to stay open the pivots that they had to do by staying open, though, was something nobody had a playbook for. And they had to do it live in front of audience. And in, in real time, they had to find PPE. They had to deal with social distancing. They had to not only physically equip their stores with plexiglass counters and all that, the masks. These are not things that you know the grocery stores and drug stores kept on their shelves. And then right. no. became, all the retailers became fighting um, for, like, everybody else, the hospitals and everything else. So, there was just this huge wave of everybody needing the same thing cleansing products and so forth. And so, it was really difficult for them to all of a sudden find sourcing to get this so that they could stay open, keep their associates safe, which is, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with believe if you keep your associates safe, if we can keep them motivated, engaged, then they're going to engage the clients. And that's kind of part of that employee profit change, uh, employee customer profit chain. And so even with that, it was a matter of how do we do that and quickly in front of everybody. And then the hoarding issue, I mean, the toilet paper and the, you know, and just the limits that they had to do. So your whole customer service model, everything you knew went you know upside down and then because of instacart and a lot of the online and and if you didn't have online presence you were pretty much screwed. I mean, you had to be there. And so they had to do a lot of hiring. A lot of my clients are essentials, had to do a lot of hiring fast. And so then you're talking about onboarding programs that used to take two or three weeks, had some one-on-one engagement, all that had to be revamped. I mean, I worked with a client um, who's a boutique but still a very large um, retail grocery store who in 10 days with four of his staff all working remotely, revamped the entire onboarding program um, and just converted it all to a virtual experience as Mm -hmm. much as possible. And then the store leadership role was changed because social distancing and so forth. So I saw retailers do amazing things quickly and probably did their best work. Um, They were all committed to making this happen. I think that that's where the pandemic, it scared people that they didn't know what was happening. So they knew i got to do the best i can and so we saw you know that was one in story but really incredible so that's the essentials. so they got to make money but it wasn't easy for them the non-essentials they shut down I mean, and so you're talking about retail has a lot of part-time staff and we're feeling it now, um, you know, the impact even of a year ago of laying off part-timers and having to furlough staff and not knowing when you're gonna come back uh, to go in. So the biggest Im- impact is no money. I mean, there's no revenue and um, and then not showing sure what the hiring practices are. And then there's a the whole engagement. How do you keep in touch with these folks? And, uh, you know, while you're not, not In a store, not anywhere. So um, that that I think was a bigger impact, and um, you know, I mean, it it blended right into the you know in the summer with social injustice, where we had senseless killings and 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 uh, you know unlawful searches that were in the wrong houses that were voted you know that that resulted into um, a large group of people of color, and uh, you know we're still dealing with that now. But that was huge, and so when you had stores just starting to open up last summer all this was going on too. So um there are some silver linings. Um if you you had a, if you were dabbling with omni channel and curbside delivery and all that, boy, you accelerated that like a rocket. And uh you're able to fine-tune that and and get that you're able to to pivot and, and work on that. Um, I think it brought culture. And I think it brought diversity, um, equity, and inclusion to top of mind and caring about your associates. You know, there was an old adage that leave, you know, I, I remember even my career at retail, everybody, you know, the managers always said, you
0: got to leave your personal life at home. You know, you can't come into work. <laughs> so true. <laughs> when you walk through that door,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. smile on your face. It's, I mean, I remember opening up my store going, it's showtime at 10 a.m. Everybody be happy and smiley and engaging." And I think what happened is I think that we realized that work became at home, especially for the district and the regionals that were leading, trying to keep in communication and lead. But a lot of the the retail environments, everyone that worked in store support centers um You know had to work from home the distribution centers you know that was a huge issue um i know you know that from your business as well is when stores are closed there's nobody there to receive the goods and you know this happened at peak you know for spring and summer goods coming in and so this yeah there was just a lot of a lot of pivots and changes that uh, you know some of it is good but it really did show the power of people and i think if anything organizations learned that they had to stay in touch and they had you know the engagement surveys and all that that were kind of a cool thing to do and something you did that was very HR became mandatory <laughs> you had to check in and find out so and
0: true like the voice of the associate surveys that you know, were huge fans of uh, yes because especially during that time period but so that brings me to another question of some of those pivots do you see those maybe I'll put it this way an unintended consequence or benefit of ones that would be permanent now uh, just because maybe some employers found like, oh, well, this pivot works and maybe it's virtual training can save time. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's a part of it, you know, or, you know, maybe there's something within the supply chain where they were like, well, we did without it for this amount of time and it saved us X. So I don't think we need that. So they can put more focus, continued focus on employees, I guess, what are some permanent pivots you think are going to kind of come out of this?
1: I think there's, there's a lot of them and some of them they needed to be. It's just, you know, I think for the retailers that were dabbling with omni-channel mm-hmm online, um, they they didn't have a choice and they had to get that up to speed. And that that is the trend was I mean, it's been trending up online sales been trending up for five years. So now I think particularly and in products like groceries, you know, which maybe was 20 or 30 percent all of a sudden became 60 percent. So it just all it really propelled it to a higher percentage for online and that. So I think that's that's probably one thing. I think the other is flexibility. I have to use the word flexibility because it's flexible. And schedules, um, I know, and in integrity, and staffing, yes. and yes. yes how important it is now to offer flexibility. Flexibility isn't just uh, something that a Gen Y and Gen Z want because, oh, it's them and they want more flexibility because they don't want to work. I mean, we all heard that before the pandemic. Now they realize, no, they've been through the pandemic and they've been through life experiences, that flexibility is key to them and it will make them a better, more productive employee when they're at work. If they feel appreciated, if they feel that they're valued and that is a way that you measure it. it is just, I'm showing you your value because i'm respectful that you have other have other aspects of your life that make you whole and so i think that's a big plus it is making recruiting and staffing very difficult it is um making you know just the doors um schedules unfortunately right now because of the shift online you know the mall traffic is you know the malls and stores a lot are opening up and and much more where um it's just, it's starting to trickle in. Um, I, I honestly think that 2021 is still going to be a lot more of us positioning and finding out what's going to mm-hmm. happen what's going to stay so online is going to stay i think flexibility is going to stay i think that people want more security even if it is i mean we're hearing that part-timers really would rather have full-time or have a set schedule so they can do something else to better themselves and i think that that's something that's going to stay Um, i think that also the flexibility when you get into corporate positions and so forth to work you know when you need to be work it's not a matter of You know where you're working, it's a matter of what work needs to be done and where's the best place to do it and how can I be most productive and wherever that is. Because not only did people just go to home and they're by the corporate office, we're finding now in the last year that now that corporate offices are opening up again, that their staff isn't even in the same town anymore. (laughs) They moved to where- right? Yes. Childcare was going to be, you know, where their parents or they moved to a great lake house because that's always been their dream. And they, you know, it's why not? So that's, you know, just the whole workforce. I think that's the flexibility is, is going to stay for a while. I think that's too.
0: Thanks for tuning to HR liftoff. Forget about celebrating our 20th episode. This is our 21st. Now our podcast can officially rent a vehicle with a young renter fee. Now back to the show. Yeah, we know from even our own surveys. So flexibility is always within the top two. And we know it. And I think it's the definition of flexibility now versus even what I might've thought it was pre-pandemic where it's, okay, well, it's flexible, which means more towards part-time, but we still have to have shifts that people sign up for and they still have to do it X amount of time in advance. And they have to do, it. it's almost like you put all these criteria and requirements on it. And what is very clear is folks want depending on what the position is, uh, but they want to get a job kind of almost like you order off of Amazon or get a pizza. It's like, I want to start quickly. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do true flexibility. It's like you said it perfectly, like let's recognize other pieces of someone's life. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to be there four hours every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through Friday. You know, it might be I'm four hours on Monday, Tuesday this week, I'm four hours, Wednesday, Saturday next week. Uh, So, it reminds me of almost like restaurant and retail scheduling and just kind of going back to the old school calendars a little bit, but it's very much on demand. Uh, And there's no question about it. And we're heading into a labor market where I think the latest forecast was still uh, a little above 4% for unemployment for Q4. So, that means, you know, compared even to last year and understandably a pandemic, it's tight. It's going to be very tight. And then, what are employers offering as their value propositions to make it worth it for folks? And flexibility is major for that. You know, pay rates, which are steadily increasing. You know, and leisure and hospitality are supposed to come back pre-COVID levels, surpass pre-COVID levels. And they're looking at different kind of pay and wage infrastructure. Like, do they do it a different way just to make sure? Uh, so I think whether it's coming out of the pandemic or not, which clearly some of it is it's going to be here (laughs) and folks are going to have to deal with it.
1: Yeah. And you just meant and this is huge at the retail industry because obviously retail has always been known low pay long hours. Right. And you know, that's no longer the deal because these people are frontline workers and they were there on the front line. And so, you know, it's kind of funny that Congress won't, you know, raise the minimum wage and, you know, well, that's okay. The minimum wage is gonna be raised. So we can do it with you or without you Congress, because this is what's gonna happen. And and what happened, you saw it in the bonuses that, you know, uh, clients like Amazon, Whole Foods Market, grocery stores, um, Walmart, Target. They gave bonuses to these frontline workers and it was the right thing to do these because we did not know when you think about in the beginning, we, you know, we really take it back to March when things shut down mask requirement wasn't even a requirement. Because oh, really? we didn't know yeah. we didn't know. and, you know, we had crazy things going on in those first three to six months of what what you could do to, you know, to get to really avoid uh, COVID. So a lot of those things had to evolve, you know, while stores were open, but also that frontline worker had to expose themselves to things that maybe in a month all of a sudden were dangerous. So it took workers' compensation to a level that no one's ever seen Um you know before and you know and i think just you know just like what you said and with integrity and staffing and the impact i do have to say the one impact that is not going to change for us is um uh, the benefit of virtual learning and how mm-hmm. we reach there isn't i mean it's the biggest selling point is for clients is you know they is you know oh well is it less expensive because it's online? No, because it's not. But you know what you're saving in travel? It is because it's still our content. We still are facilitating it. We're still gonna do the breakout rooms, engaging. We're making that same experience for you. The only thing that's different is it's it's going through the internet. It's going through that bandwidth versus in a classroom. The issue is that I think that that flexibility is, is really um, showing. And what's what I think is a big trend for us is um, the last five years uh, our district manager multi-unit leadership has become our strongest leadership and we have because at that level bringing folks in and travel and all that was that that was an investment i mean i even have to tell clients that if you only had to spend for one population would you do it i do the district and regionals because throw the dart there because they have the highest influence on the organization they are your epitome of middle management right there they're the closest to the customer and the closest to the corporate office so what's happened though is What's great is our store leadership training, and they've been a kind of forgotten. The store leadership has not been, you know, getting a lot of training, haven't feeling the love of more of the development. And now we're seeing that more and more. We're able to fill publics, and we're able to do more private sessions with frontline, and even our store support leadership from the corporate office leaders, um, distribution centers. We just did a huge launch um, with the, you know, two distribution center leaders because they they can do that. We can do it online. Nobody has Mm -hmm. to travel and and guess what it's a two hour interruption in your shift you know twice a week or you know and that's it versus a day of travel a day to travel back and the day of the training or whatever they have to do so that is a key trend that i think that the whole virtual um experience and i think it's not e-learning it's not plug and play, where you just listen to something. It is an interactive, engaging experience. And I think that's where our clients have told us, and we're thrilled that we're able to get the same evaluations that we did in the classrooms for the same things online at high marks. So we know that's that- That's great. That yeah lot, we're excited mm-hmm. <laughs> We're excited. yeah we're excited about that because that you know that's a goal for us when you build 40 years of a reputation of being highly interactive highly engagement highly applicable that even if they took a break they could get on a voicemail and start practicing the skills to be able to do that and you know in a virtual environment and engage people you know engage a classroom um i think it's yeah i, I i'm i'm thrilled because The last thing we want to do is not have learning take place and not have an impact when they leave our classroom. So I think that's what I'm most thrilled about.
0: So you make me think of a question uh, because I think about, especially with pandemic, there was a lot of folks put into roles where it wasn't originally their seat on the bus. Like That's not where they were originally supposed to be. You know, and I also think of myself where I'm like, if if you told me to probably do sales, I'd be like, no, Mary Beth, no. <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna need to go through your you know training on steroids. You know, it's just not necessarily <laughs> the chosen cup of tea. But um, do you think there were a lot of folks that one had to do that in retail, where it's like, okay, maybe they were expecting to be a store manager, but they're maybe filling some of their supply chain in a store, like they might have turned into a packing area. Uh, yeah. And do you think with what you train in, it's almost like you can train if somebody has the will and the grit to be able to do different positions in retail? So maybe they could have upskilled themselves. Like maybe you know, when they look back and they're thinking, "I never would have done that, but I'm so glad that I did." You know, do you think that that upskilling happened? Because it sounds like you guys would be the perfect fit for that too.
1: It was. Um, I think the transformation about job change with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, was like again and it's not even a matter oh this is your new job you kind of know a little bit about nobody knew anything about the new job so it's totally new skills um, and skills that you couldn't go online to learn um, right. one thing you couldn't google and say how do I lead my team in COVID um, <laughs> you know it wasn't written yet so um, if we can find that that's probably a I, I just got to think about that the first thing that I can think of, you can't get a Google answer for, you know, was March, you know, in March, now you can, but, and hopefully they'll go right to more retail, but the, yeah, the, the biggest thing is their jobs change drastically, and it's two things. One is we've heard that phrase cross-training, and yes. it's, it's never been more important than ever. But again, the crossover was just something brand new. And so it wasn't something else in the organization, maybe a lateral move that a lot of companies do this for development and advancement and so forth. So the, the cross-training was they became, um, I think, at a customer level, um, you know, we've always heard customers always right. Right. And that was not true, unfortunately, with the COVID. Um, They had to tell customers that refused to wear masks that, you know, they couldn't come in the store. Um, We had to tell customers that were shoving their grocery cart into another customer and trying to put their stuff on the conveyor belt that, no, we clean it after each one at Costco or, you know, at at Whole Foods or, you know, grocery Mm -hmm. store and that they had to you know these are things that they had to tell customers no and and then explain why and explain why not from a science background but from a retail and customer service background so you know you just don't feel as confident you don't feel as credible you just know that you have to do this and you know nothing is worse to a customer than you have to do it because the sign tells you or you know it's right. so yeah. it, it really put retailers totally out of their comfort zone, not what was natural in their natural skin. Like you said, you didn't want to be in sales. It's just like throwing you in something that is totally you're lost in that. So they become, you know, having to be rule makers, law um, you know, they had to enforce laws or government. They had to be the safety, the scientist, and those are. I mean, if I if I told you, and you, I don't even have to tell you, selection. When you start matching competencies and skill levels, it's not what you would normally put for a retailer, right? Science, medical, <laughs> those type of skills, but that's what they needed to do. And the customer service skills became on the back burner because it became more of a methodology, you know, mythology that you had to follow, and you had to do these protocols in this order. And, um, so it, that's, I think was big, tough thing. And I'd have to say that just from our clients that there are become a huge, um, new position and it didn't come right away, which was difficult in HR that just handled COVID. And I've even had clients that tell me, Hey, yes. you anybody, know, cause it's probably going to be short term. Cause they look at that as kind of like when the millennial, hit, <laughs> you know, when it was like, you know, mm-hmm. 1999 to 2000, or all the computers going to go off? We're going to have this great bunch of people. They're going to make a lot of money. And oh, it's Y2K. So short, yeah, <laughs> Y2K. And we're going to do that. But guess what? After two thousand and January by the January thirtieth, you're out of job and you've been a specialized trained. So they're looking at HR people that are handling COVID because if someone gets COVID, the whole quarantine, who have they been exposed to? Yep. What is the customer communication? I mean the, the ripple effect of this that happens, and then where is it two weeks? And then you know the good companies are paying them for two weeks. You know, you you're paid two weeks, whether you were part-time, you had any benefits, whatever before, you are being paid your salary for two weeks of what you would work because we want to take care of you and we want when you come back then there's that whole re-entry of how do we get everybody back we have to make sure and so um that's that's been huge and the whole medical handling the whole you know how do we handle that how do we handle that um and payroll and then i mean in distribution centers i can use that because i've just lived that with this large implementation is that you know you got eight people on a shift that work together on a conveyor belt, no matter what social distancing or whatever, and working on certain areas in very tight quarters, somebody goes out. I mean, that is huge. You want, you know, trying to pull in. And then you've got to call the trucking companies and you've got to call them and ask them, please, can you slow down a little bit because I've got, you know, I got a team of 24 off. Um, Yeah, You
0: have a line down.
1: Yes, exactly. So um, the impact um, is huge and that the job is just a job. That's not what they're trained in. And I think that, the smarter companies that I work with and the retailers are learning, I got to get that off my district managers and off my store managers so that they can get back to the job of making clients happy and selling products and selling the experience. Um, And I think that that was a huge pivot that, you know, you didn't have time to think about the first six to eight months. And now they are thinking very clearly as to, and this is planned obsolescence. We do see this in 2022. We really do see this job phasing out completely, but don't take our key leaders who are really good with people, really good with customers, really good, you know, at being a great retailer and a productive retailer and put them in a role that, you know, After a year, it's fatigue, you know, it gets you out, um, you know, of your career best moment. We always say that we all have to do things sometimes that the company needs us to do. It's what the company needs right now. But you can only do that for a year or two at the most. And that's where burnt out and stress comes. So I think that, like I said, the smarter retailers and organizations are learning that they've got to pivot and get get people to take that off of them so that they can get back to doing what they love to do, because otherwise you're going to lose them.
0: So I think you've already mentioned a couple, um, but I was gonna say before we end, what points would you want folks to leave with for 2021, 2022? Like, what do you think are some bigger points that you're like, if folks were listening to this last two minutes, <laughs> you know, what, what would you wanna tell them?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I think that 2021, we're still testing. I think 2020 was a shock. Um, and now we're learning to get on stable ground in 2021. I'm really looking forward to 2022. I think that the leveling and um, providing everybody does what they're supposed to, so we don't keep having spikes, right? <laughs> uh that will have enough. Um, you know, I know that there's too many, there's too much to think about that will really reach herd immunity or things like that. But I, I think if we can get into 2022 where it becomes a flu shot, it becomes more manageable like we have done before with other um, illnesses, not pandemics. Um, I think that that would be. And I think people, I mean, you know, you've heard about the stories of the roaring 20s. And, uh, you know, I think that people are fatigued. And I think that they're going to want to. And then so I think the message is that the retailers who really want to attract those customers, they have to engage them. They have to create an exciting experience. And that is not the skills that your salespeople were trained before the pandemic. It is not the skills your leadership were. So I think there's a great opportunity to create value for your your team by you know getting them up to speed and ready for 2022 and getting them ready to take on the new challenges because i do think that we will get we will get through this the retail industry will get through this some better than others Uh, (laughs) we're gonna get well so
0: i a thousand percent agree with you and i think people are waiting to go back Mm -hmm. and kind of chomping at the bit a little bit to think. All right, like when I can, I can actually have an interaction, and I will tell you, but I think I am just this type of person. I'm almost creating interactions just so I can have outside interactions. where, you know, let's, let's be frank, like the supermarket clerk's probably like, "Why is she continuing to talk to me?" Like, <laughs> <so it's, laughs> I'll be like, "Have a wonderful day," just because it's somebody that might be outside of who you're typically talking to, and you know, and, and you understand that they're stressed and they're having to keep protocol. Uh, so I can only imagine, you know, when it gets the time of, you know, full recovery and the ones that do make it through your points about safety are, are completely, I know paramount and, um, but the experience itself, you're right. You're thinking like, all right, well, it's not like it was in 2019, you know, 2021 end of 2022, completely different. So. Well, Mary Beth, I can't thank you enough for being on and I'm going to have you back again. I told you this was the, the first I would say with with retail and more retail. And um, we talk a lot about distribution, but I love hearing about the other sectors. Um, and I think it's completely important and really the customer service driving. Um, so your her information will be in the show notes and uh, the episode notes and the summary. It's more retail. Uh, and then if you want to get in touch with her, I'll also include all of her
1: contact information. But
0: thank you so much for joining us.
1: Megan, it's been a pleasure. I love talking to you. It's like a little little coffee chat.
0: We're good. It is. It is like a coffee chat. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of HR Liftoff. At Integrity, we believe opportunity is everything. We take an associate first approach because when our associates succeed, our clients succeed. Whatever you need, we're ready to support. We partner with clients large and small to deliver custom staffing solutions that provide the cost, service, and scalability efficiencies you need to stay competitive. Learn more at IntegrityStaffing.com.